Welcome to the new episode of American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, and the dark side of American history. And welcome to the latest episode in our season on Haunted Hollywood, which is, as always, hosted and produced by Cody Back and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. As we near the end of this season, finally, we're going to be wrapping things up, we hope, next month with both full and bonus episodes, taking you on a weekly walk down the back streets of Hollywood during the Halloween month of October. We still have some more stories to share before this season comes to an end, so be ready for murder, mayhem, broken hearts, shattered dreams, and unsolved crimes. But if you've missed any of the show this season, or if this is your first time listening, you'll want to go back to episode 70 of the podcast, which will get you caught up on everything that's already happened. Just be warned that the episodes in this season are definitely not suitable for all listeners. So if you continue on from here, whatever happens, well, that's on you. This episode alone is one to remember, a tale of the life and death of one of America's top pinup girls who died a horrible and violent death, not in Hollywood, but on a lonely highway near Biloxi, Mississippi. It's a story that has a little bit of everything, a brainy beauty, publicity stunts, a mysterious death, a satanic curse, a haunted house, and well, I'll be honest with you, boobs. So hang on tight. It's going to be a wild ride. She was born Vera Jane Palmer in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania on April 19th of 1933. When she was only three years old, her father Herbert died of a heart attack while driving with his wife and daughter in the car. Luckily, they walked away without a scratch. After his death, her mother, also named Vera, worked as a school teacher, and in 1939, she remarried and the family moved to Dallas, Texas. Her daughter, who went by the name Jane, had a great passion in life. She wanted to be an actress. She took theater classes in high school, and after graduating, she enrolled at the Southern Methodist University in Dallas, majoring in both theater and physics. It was an odd combination, but Jane was incredibly brilliant. She just usually chose to hide out behind her pretty face. In January 1950, Jane secretly married Paul Mansfield, and the young couple moved to Austin, where Jane enrolled at the University of Texas. She spent the next couple of years juggling motherhood and college classes while her husband was in the Army. In 1953, she landed her first stage role, appearing in a production of Death of a Salesman. She also won a series of beauty contests, but few had any idea just how smart she was. She had an IQ of 163, spoke five languages, and was a classically trained pianist and violinist. She later admitted, though, that she knew the public didn't care about her brains. They were more interested in her looks and the size of her breasts. Paul Mansfield, a perfect example of manhood in the 1950s, had hoped that Jane would lose interest in acting and stay home to have children. They had one baby, Jane Marie, but he wanted more and probably wanted Jane barefoot and in the kitchen all day. But that wasn't going to work for Jane Mansfield. Her dreams weren't much bigger than that. When Paul finally realized Jane wasn't going to give up on those dreams, he moved with her to Los Angeles so she could try and start a movie career. Between working in a variety of odd jobs, Jane studied drama at UCLA. Her film career began with bit parts at Warner Brothers, which had signed her after one of its talent scouts had seen her in a production at the Pasadena Playhouse. She started with small roles that showed off her good looks, but then she won a larger, dramatic part in a film called The Burglar. Unfortunately, the movie, which showed off Jane's dramatic chops, wasn't released until two years later, when Jane's career was at its peak and she was known for a very different kind of role. Her big break came from a stage production called Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter, in which she first appeared wearing nothing but a towel. She appeared in the show for 13 months and even won a Theater World Award for her performance in 1956. After her theater run ended, Jane was signed by 20th Century Fox and made a huge splash in the comic film The Girl Can't Help It, in which she played an outrageously voluptuous tone-deaf girlfriend of a retired racketeer. The film featured some early performances by Fats Domino, The Platters, and Little Richard. 
introducing rock and roll to many movie audiences. In May 1956, Jane played a straight dramatic role in the John Steinbeck-based film, The Wayward Boss. She wanted to get away from the dumb blonde image that the studio had dumped on her and establish herself as a serious actress. She won a Golden Globe for New Star of the Year, beating out Carol Baker and Natalie Wood. In 1957, she reprised her stage role in Will's success spoil Rock Hunter with Tony Randall and Joan Blondell. This film was also hugely successful for Jane and cemented her image as the blonde comic relief. She realized there was no use fighting it. She couldn't escape that image. If you got it, flaunt it, they say, and that's exactly what Jane did. During the heady period that followed, Jane was not only one of the most popular actresses in Hollywood, she also received more press than anyone else, including Marilyn Monroe and Mamie Van Doren, the other wildly popular blonde bombshells of the era. In Jane's first year at Fox, more than 2,000 photos of her appeared in newspapers and magazines. In January 1958, Jane divorced Paul Mansfield and five days later married actor, bodybuilder, and Mr. Universe title holder Mickey Hargitay. Jane had first met Mickey when he was starring in a body stage show produced by Mae West at the Latin Quarter in New York City. Shortly after the wedding, they bought a Spanish Mediterranean-style house that had been built in 1929 for singer Rudy Valley. Jane quickly set about to make it her own. First, she decided that the house and the eight-foot wall that surrounded it should be painted pink, her trademark color. To make the wall sparkle in the sun, she had workmen crush sandstone into the paint. When finished, it was impossible for anyone driving down Sunset Boulevard to miss the house, and it earned a nickname, the Pink Palace. To get inside the walls of the mansion, visitors had to pass through tall iron gates with the initials JM twisted into the design. Inside, there was a 12-foot crystal chandelier, a fountain that sprayed pink champagne during parties, a pink heart-shaped bathtub, and pink fur rugs. But of course, the biggest attraction was the pink heart-shaped swimming pool in the backyard. On the bottom, spelled out in mosaic tile, was the message, I love you, Janie. The pool had been a gift from Mickey, who had also done much of the remodeling on the house. If this place had belonged to anyone else, it would have been an eyesore. But since it was Jane, it just seemed to fit. Jane's career was still at its height at this time. She was stuck in the roles that people loved her for, but she made the best of it, earning most of her publicity for two things, her beauty and her famous breasts. She repeatedly and successfully managed to expose them in carefully staged accidents. On The Tonight Show, host Jack Parr introduced her as, here they are, Jane Mansfield. And in 1957, her breasts were part of a notorious publicity stunt that was arranged to deflect attention away from Sophia Loren during a dinner in the Italian star's honor. Photographs of the encounter were published around the world. One image showed Sophia Loren raising an eyebrow at Jane, who was sitting between Sophia and Clifton Webb as she leaned over the table, allowing her breasts to spill out of her low-cut dress and exposing a nipple. During a film festival party in Berlin, Mickey picked her up so that she could bite some low-hanging grapes from a vine, and both breasts accidentally popped out of her dress. The photograph of the incident became a sensation, appearing in magazines all over the world with the word censored, hiding her exposed breasts. Tacky? Sure, but it worked, and it kept Jane in the movie magazines. Even so, most of the good roles for Jane had dried up by 1959. She did a lot of independent and foreign films, usually scantily clad, until she decided to slow down and try to rejuvenate her career. She announced that she planned to study acting in New York so that she could attract more serious roles, but by then it was just too late. Her racy publicity had brought her fame, but it also brought about her downfall. Fox did not renew her contract in 1962, but Jane kept working. In 1963, she was the first mainstream American actress to appear nude in the film Promises, Promises. 
Nude photos taken on the set were published in Playboy magazine, which resulted in an obscenity charge for Hugh Hefner. The film ended up being banned in Cleveland, but enjoyed success across the country. She appeared in more foreign films, but good roles became harder and harder to find. Later in life, she appeared in a number of dismal, low-budget films like The Las Vegas Hillbillies and Panic Button. They were a disaster and an embarrassment for a woman who really deserved a lot better. Jane's marriage to Mickey lasted five years. They divorced in Mexico in 1963, but when the legality of it was called into question, they briefly reconciled in October of that year. Well, it didn't work out, and soon after, Jane sued for the Juarez divorce to be declared legal and won. During their marriage, Jane and Mickey had three children, Miklos, Zoltan, and Mariska, an actress currently known for her role as Detective Olivia Benson in Law & Order Special Victims Unit. After a divorce from Mickey Hargitay, Jane was linked romantically with singer Nelson Sardelli, but in 1964, she married an Italian-born director named Matteo Ottaviano. They were divorced in July 1966. Jane was now in a bad place. Her career was fading fast, and she was supporting herself and her children doing burlesque and dinner theater. Then in late 1966, she took another step, again hoping to revive her career. Whether this was a serious attempt to find herself or merely another infamous publicity stunt remains in question. Whatever it was, Jane joined the newly formed Church of Satan, founded by Anton LaVey. According to LaVey, Jane had a real interest in exploring the occult, while friends say she was simply curious about it. It's also quite possible she was merely attaching herself to LaVey for the publicity and the attention. The Church of Satan had recently been making headlines and appearing on magazine covers. LaVey was a dashing figure and had become notorious in a very short time. Even those who disliked him respected him as a great showman and promoter. Other celebrities like Sammy Davis Jr. and Forrest J. Ackerman, who founded Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, and others, were photographed with the country's leading Satanists, and Jane may have been looking to get a little free publicity for herself. Photos of Jane and LaVey in his ceremonial robes appeared in magazines as she drank from a chalice and skulls and daggers surrounded her as props. LaVey was also photographed with Jane at nightclubs and at the Pink Palace too, which suggests they may have even been friends. LaVey always confessed to being entranced with Jane. He likely saw a connection with her as good publicity for himself, but he took an instant dislike to Jane's boyfriend and attorney, Sam Brody who she'd started dating soon after her last divorce. Over the next few weeks, the two men clashed several times, and the story goes that LaVey put a curse on Brody, telling him he would be dead within a year. LaVey later said that the curse was supposed to protect Jane from Brody, who was violent and abusive with her. He warned Jane to stay away from Brody, fearing that she might be affected by the curse. But Jane didn't listen. Soon after, Jane and Brody were involved in two separate auto accidents. A month later, Jane's son Zoltan accompanied her to Jungle Land in Thousand Oaks, California, where she was supposed to pose for publicity photos, and the little boy was mauled by a supposedly tame lion. While in Japan, a collection of her prized jewelry was stolen from her hotel room. In England, she was publicly humiliated, and her show was canceled after she was falsely accused of skipping out on her hotel bill. She was charged with income tax evasion in Venezuela, robbed in Las Vegas, and attacked by a mob at Carnival in Rio. On June 22, 1967, Brody was on his way to pick up Jane from a charity lunch when his vehicle was struck by another car. It was badly damaged and Brody was hospitalized with a broken leg and cracked ribs. But this didn't stop Brody from going with Jane on a tour of Southern Supper Clubs a week later, a decision that would turn out to be fatal. Jane was performing at Gus Stevens Supper Club in Biloxi, Mississippi in late June. After the show, she decided to drive to New Orleans, where she was supposed to appear on a television talk show on the morning of June 29th. They left the club after midnight. Jane was accompanied by Brody, the club's 19-year-old driver, Ron Harrison, and the children, Miklos, Zoltan, and Mariska. Jane's signature pink luggage was loaded in the car, and Jane got into the front seat with Brody and Harrison. She was sitting next to the passenger door. The children were asleep in the back seat as they started driving west on Route 90. 
The road was shiny and slick from a light rain that had fallen earlier. Ahead of the car, Harrison spotted a white cloud that was coming from a mosquito spraying truck ahead of them on the highway. He slowed down and followed the truck for several minutes, but then became impatient, accelerated, and drove around the truck into the fog. Unable to see clearly, Harrison had no idea that a slow-moving trailer truck was ahead of the mosquito sprayer until the front of his Buick slammed under it. The roof of the car was sheared off and the metal rolled backwards like an opened can. Sam Brody died instantly when he was thrown from the car and Harrison suffered the same fate. The children lying down in the back sustained injuries but survived the crash. When the truck driver who was unhurt jumped down from his cab, he immediately spotted the bodies of the two men on the pavement. Glancing back through the Buick's windshield, he saw the battered body of a woman in blood-soaked clothing. Legends state that Jane was decapitated in the crash, but later reports from police officers who investigated the scene discovered that what the truck driver thought was her severed head was actually one of Jane's blonde wigs lying on the pavement. Well, the news of the death stunned fans across the country. Some were quick to cash in on it. Anton LaVey announced that Jane was, quote, a victim of her own frivolity. He'd warned her about the curse and she'd ignored it. During a memorial service held in her honor at the Church of Satan, 30 people reported that a series of amber-colored bulbs suddenly flared up without explanation, but never shattered. LaVey said that it happened because, quote, Jane wanted to let us know she was still with us. Others connected to Jane reported strange happenings. Linda Mudrick, who was Jane's personal maid for many years, often heard Miklos, who had been injured in the accident that took his mother's life, talking to someone when she knew he was alone in his room. He told her he had been talking to his mother, and Mudrick believed that Jane was somehow communicating with the boy from the other side. Weird happenings also occurred around the Pink Palace. Soon after Jane's death, Mickey was involved in a bad accident just after driving out of the gates of the house. Matteo Ottaviano, Jane's third husband, was plagued with troubles. His father had a heart attack, legal problems closed his nightclub, and his best friend was killed. Victor Houston, a young man who worked as Jane's road manager and was a constant visitor at the Pink Palace, died suddenly. Linda Mudrick was also involved in a terrible car accident, and it got worse. Jane's son Miklos and a friend were playing in a toy electric car one afternoon at the Pink Palace and the little girl leaned back and somehow her long black hair got entangled around an axle. All the hair on the back of her head was torn out by the roots. Had there really been a curse that surrounded Jane Mansfield and was it still working overtime? Others believe the Pink Palace was simply haunted. Bursting water pipes ruined many pieces of furniture, and plumbers who came to repair the damage were allegedly frightened off by moving objects. One painter said that when he was working in Jane's old room, he felt that someone was watching him, and several times he said someone touched him on the shoulder. Eerie moaning sounds were often reported, and servants refused to stay on. New ones were hired, but often left after only a few days in the house. Even Linda Mudrick, Jane's longtime companion, finally quit, saying that, quote, I never want to go in that house again. Many came to believe that Jane was still around, angry over the fighting that was going on over her estate. Her spirit, they said, wanted to ensure that her children received their inheritance. Unfortunately, the Pink Palace was sacked by Ottaviano, Jane's third husband and his attorney. They locked out the children and Jane's parents and then sold the place. The first occupants of the house were a bank president and his family. Right after they moved in, the banker's son found a pink Honda that the late actor Nick Adams had given to Jane during a brief affair. The boy started it up and took it for a spin around the estate and then decided to try it out on the road. Just as he was roaring out of the gates and onto Sunset Boulevard, he was struck by an oncoming car and was killed. The banker and his family allegedly moved out the same day. The singer Cass Elliott of the Mamas and the Papas later bought the house and moved in with her husband. She went to London to record some television commercials and left her husband behind to oversee the redecorating of the mansion. Cass's death occurred while she was away, and as with Jane's supposed decapitation, Cass didn't choke to death on a ham sandwich. She died of a heart attack. The next occupant in the mansion was Beatle Ringo Starr, who had been a fan and friend of Jane's. 
Although Ringo mostly used the house for parties and only actually lived in it for a short while, he decided pink wasn't really his style and had the exterior of the mansion repainted white. Soon though, the house began turning pink again. Some said that this was because pink was a hard color to cover, but others claimed it was Jane's presence making herself known. Well, the house was repainted again using a sealer and two coats of paint, but it turned pink once more, much to the bewilderment of paint consultants and chemists. Eventually, though, the house was successfully repainted and remained white for the next two decades or so. In 1977, Welsh singer Engelbert Humperdinck purchased the house. Before moving in, he had the house blessed by a Catholic priest and issued a statement about the haunting in 1980. In 2002, Humperdinck sold the house to developers and it was demolished in November of that year. Before the sale, Humperdinck invited Jane's children for one last visit so that they could remove a keepsake from the house where they grew up. The sons removed most of the wood fireplace that had been installed by their father. Mariska removed an ornamental copper shield from the fireplace in the pool house in which her father had engraved the words, Janie, my love will flame for you forever. Mickey. As for Mickey himself, he decided not to return to the house. His only statement was, quote, as far as I'm concerned, that house died when Jane died. Well, the house may have died, but before he sold the place, Humperdinck did admit that he believed Jane's ghost had returned to the house many times. He often caught the scent of her favorite perfume, rose petals, in the house, and once saw her apparition wearing a long black dress. And then there was the earthquake. After one particular incident, he discovered a section of the yard had settled into the shape of a heart, Jane's favorite design. At first, he blamed it on Jane's ghost, but then discovered that the heart was actually a filled-in waiting pool that Jane had built for the children. He likely breathed a sigh of relief. Today, nothing remains of the Pink Palace. There have been no further reports of Jane's ghost, and it seems the hauntings connected to her, like many memories of the vivacious actress, have faded away. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Right, it's um, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for this? Sure. Yeah. No, I I enjoyed this episode. I mean, it's a yep. fun episode. It's got a little of everything. Define fun. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, other than the hideous death. Yeah. A couple of them. Yeah. yeah. All right. But, let's um, okay. Let's talk about it. All right. Thanks for tuning into the American Hauntings podcast, the show where we discuss history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. We are now in season five of the podcast, Haunted Still. Hollywood. I'm your co-host. You Cody know, it's Beck. been like a year. And with right? me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, 
calendar buff and the founder of American Hauntings, Troy Taylor. I know, and I have no one to blame for this but myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm you, not blaming you. You have thoughts I'm on just, this? Yeah, I'm just saying that this has been a long season, but it's almost over. I know I've been saying that for a couple of episodes, but it really is. is I it, mean, on paper. Is yeah. it that long compared to like some of the others? I, I don't know. Maybe I don't not. Remember it just seems long. This seems, this seems really long. There's just so many stories. I know, and, and I know you could keep going oh, and I going could. and I could. going. I mean, so I really had to kind of fine tune and go, okay, these are the last five stories and we're done. So yeah. we are going to finish. Actually, the last episode will be November 2nd, uh, but we're going to do an episode every week in October. We're just um, going for it in October. Yeah, we're going to do one every week. Um, now, a couple of them will not be like full episodes. It'll be just the stories without our convo at the yep. end, uh, but most of them will be regular episodes, but we will do, be doing one every week. And we will be ending this season on November 2nd. Yeah. Um, after that, we will have a trailer for season six. Mm-hmm. We'll be coming. And of course, our end of the year horror film episode. Oh, or our Halloween episode will be yeah. coming in October. So we have too. two movie episodes yes, coming up. we do. Uh, end of October. And then we'll do one in December. Will be our end of the year. Uh, and then we will start back up again with the regular seasons of the podcast mm-hmm. in January. Yes. And so, so we do. So at the end of October, we're going to do 70s horror movies yes. is that correct yes. yeah okay so 70s, that's, that's, that's our we decade do. we're in this time. and then after that we do end of the year 2021 horror movies yes. just for people that might be jumping in at yeah. this point yeah um and yes yeah, so we do a lot of movie stuff yeah the end of the stuff. year that's always fun it and i get fun. to start my list over now so i know some people have been following along on letterboxd yes where i keep my reviews and there's some real dogs uh, there for I uh-huh. had a bad run of bad movies there for a while, and really I could Dude. have a lot more, but it's like you know I watch the trailer and I go okay I am not watching this, yeah. and so it, that's why it doesn't get on the list. And then I'll watch one a trailer and I'll go this looks pretty good, and then it turns out to be complete garbage, and so it gets a bad review. Uh, so, but I mean, I've also seen some stuff that has been really great though. There have been um, Candyman, for instance, fantastic. Yeah, we didn't talk Four about that. Four and a half stars. I knew you were um, going to love it. We'll talk about it at the end of the year. We can't I know. do a whole review now. I'm going to watch uh, Malignant tonight, I'm going to watch way. it tomorrow. Okay. So I am going to see it. Oh, I'm um, excited for that. I know. I've been wanting to see it, too. I will tell you another one that's sign of a sleeper. Um, uh-huh. It's uh-huh. not really well known uh, because it was a Netflix release, but it is an original horror film, and it's called The Old Ways. The and old? I gave I it four stars. No shit. Um, yeah, it's it's high up on my list. It's probably going to make my top ten. Um, wow. It's, it's worth watching. Okay. It's, it, I really liked it. It is a, it's an exorcism film, mm-hmm. but um, not your standard exorcism okay. film. It has nothing to do with, like, you know, there's no Catholics involved and crucifixes and things. It's yeah. all like old, you know, um, folk Mexican folk horror oh. stuff. It's really oh, good. Okay. The old ways. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, it's, I, I recommend it if you want to see a cool movie. Is there I anybody really anybody it. involved that we would have no. talked about before? No. Okay. There's a couple of I there's like a couple that. of faces that I recognize, character actors. Sure. Uh, but other than that, I don't know anybody in the movie. But I really liked it. Nice. So, yeah. Okay, so we spelled out what's going to happen for the rest of the season. Um, what's going to happen after that, which, spoiler alert, I don't know yet, and no. we, we'll get into that eventually, yeah. uh, maybe about the new season, but, okay, what do you have coming up? Right, uh, tonight well, you have a, yeah, a St. Louis We do, we have an event. event. Yeah, we have an event because my new, new book, book just came out. Yes. Yeah, the, um, yeah, I know that for those of you who are going to go back and listen to the podcast that we did six episodes on in our St. Louis season <laughs> is now going to be badly outdated yeah, because yeah, yeah. it is, um, we did what you we know, could it was what done we at the time when I still had a promise I had to keep as far as names and things go. But uh, I, I admire the hell out of you for doing well, that, and I by did, the way. But it, um, I don't have to keep that anymore. And so I finally put out the full. And as far as I know, this will be the last edition of the book. I cannot imagine there's anything else to tell. But right. that's what I said the last time. Sure. So you never know. But anyway, I guess we'll see. Uh, but it, this this edition is everything you've always wanted to know. Um, probably things you don't want, didn't want to know. Uh, but there's a, all the all the dirty laundry is yeah. in this new. In fact, it's a hundred pages longer than the last. No episode. shit. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of material here that I just could not use before. And a hundred pages though. A hundred. How does how does that compare to like any other like new editions of books you've done in um, the past? You know, it just depends. I yeah. mean, a lot of times when I do a new edition of something, it's only because I've got you know some different stories I want to include. They're not really. 
new they're new to the book maybe but not new new this is new new right i mean it's it's not anything that i found out yesterday it's just i found it out 25 years ago i just (laughs) could never use it um until now and now i can use it so people will not have seen it okay anyway um so but other than that i mean we do have we still have dinner and spirits events coming up uh we do have some that are not sold out yet we Mm -hmm. had to add a couple St. Louis exorcism once. And at this point, this I don't know. It's a busy time. Man. Yeah, it is. It is. So we still have a few of those left. Um, the only river road tours we have left is the one in November and it's like half full. And the one in December, which is as of this recording is about half full. Yeah. Otherwise that'll be it for 2021. All of our rest of September and all of our October river road tours are all full. Just filled up. Um, so we've got, you know, of course the Regular tours in Alton still. We've got the tours in Chicago. Decatur is pretty much almost full. Mm-hmm. Springfield still got stuff available. So there are things that are that are happening. We still have, you know, if you go to dinnerandspirits.com, you can see what, what events we have left. And we also started planning our annual Dead of Winter event, which will be February the 12th. Um, this is going to be a good one. Um, we're going to be at the Mineral Springs. Uh, we, by the time you guys hear this, we will have announced it, um, on Friday, the 17th, we're going to put everything up. People can get after hour tickets. Okay. Uh, we're going to have, um, you know, uh, Estes method recordings, you know, that, that, that kind of cool headphone. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah we're yeah. going to be doing that in the swimming pool at the mineral Ooh, springs. No uh, better place. We've got, a, a, some ladies who are coming in who are going to be doing a gallery reading. We're going to have an after hours, uh, ghost hunt. Uh, an after-hour bus tour. We're gonna have an after-hours um, dinner. Um, so we got a lot of stuff going on for that. And of course, that's our big charity event that we do for the food drive. That it's we the do one every time year. a year that yeah. I do something good. Yeah, it's I, I right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a free event. Um, you know, we do have the after-hour stuff, and all of that goes toward the food drives and stuff too, yep. just like the t-shirts and all that stuff does. So, yep. um, but all of that stuff will be up just probably the right before you guys hear this episode. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll do a podcast. Yes, we will do a lot. Some podcast. live. We always story. do. It's always a winter story. Yeah, yeah. We'll do something this year. I don't, I don't know what yet, but we'll, we'll work that out. So, so yeah, that'll be coming up soon. So if you go to AmericanHauntings.net, you can see all of the stuff for that once mm-hmm. you hear this episode. So yeah. Yeah, busy awesome. time, fun time. Busy so, time, fun time. Yeah, yeah this month is going to be crazy. I mean, the rest of the season's just going to oh, be sure. crazy in yeah. general, especially as like things are opening up and yeah, closing people down. Yeah, people want to get out. I know it's it's, yeah, it's all, all over, over the place, but you know, people want to get out and do stuff. So they do. We're um, I think that's you know going to be cool. We're making it happen. Speaking of that, though, one thing I did want to plug Troy. Um, I know I've shown you some of his stuff at like a random party or something that I think you had a while ago, but. Um, on Netflix, there's a, a new comedy special from Bo Burnham called Inside. Oh, yeah. He directed it, wrote it, produced it, every, everything by himself in this. It's it's actually his guest house in his L.A. home. So oh, yeah. he, he makes it yeah. seem like he was stuck in this one spot. Right. He wasn't. Right. But he did it all himself. And it's all about him just making silly songs in the pandemic. Yeah. It's depressingly beautiful and i love it and i just i just want to just to plug that um because that's amazing okay let's jump into some listener reviews here we have a a couple um two that are really nice one that's funny that i want to talk about um this one that actually actually used the phrase stay in your lane no, that's not, all I'm gonna say. No, I'm not doing that one. I know. I'm just saying oh, there oh. was one that said that. So, oh, uh, yeah, which well, I thought was hilarious. It it so, is, and it's yeah. funny, and we're I just I'm uh, not whatever. Gonna, I won't yeah. mention your name. Yeah. Um. So this one is from Hilda Cupcakes, and it's titled "The Best Podcast." It says I've never been able to listen to any podcast. Usually, I get bored halfway through an episode and move on. Same here, and I have to like edit them. So yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Says American Hauntings uh, has me enthralled. I love the way Troy describes and retells the history. I've made my way through all of the seasons, and I'm. I'm thoroughly hooked and sad now that I have to wait a week between new episodes. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. thank you so yeah. much for that. Uh, this next one is from Mr. Giggler. Uh, it says, great historical detail is the title. It says, I appreciate the detailed historical context you guys provide. Makes it so much more than opinions or hearsay, especially when it comes to the ghost stories. Look forward to future seasons. And yeah, that's kind of what we try yeah. to do, oh, right? Yeah. Just be yeah. like, hey, this, here's a ghost thing, but we don't know. Or like, you know, <laughs> here's this funny little, you know, additive detail. This last one, um, oh gosh, I just had to include it because it's from Summer 2018 BX. It says, the storytelling part is good, and there's four stars, and I'm doing a bit, but I also like, I want to talk about it. It says, it's good that each episode is neatly divided into two parts so you can choose to listen to 
um, listen to one host slash the narrative part or both. It's like the nicest way anybody's ever been like, Cody, I don't like your <laughs> yeah, part. Right. I'm giving you guys a good review. But that's how we structured well, the show. So if people like that didn't want to listen to yeah. our half, yeah. they didn't have to. And yeah. so I can't be mad at it is what I'm saying. Like, that's what I asked for. That's no, how we I structured know. it. And like, dude, thanks. I mean, we got four stars out of it yeah. and he was just honest about yeah. it. Like, right. Cool. Um, so yeah, iTunes that, you know, that <laughs> you know what to do. Let's dive into this story. I'm yeah. very curious about, you know, this is a story I'd never heard about. Really? Um, oh, honestly. Okay. And uh, once you started getting into some of the details of who her family was and stuff, I was like, yeah, more intrigued, yeah. well, but, she's, you know, yeah, tell she's me been about kind this. of forgotten, you know, not forgotten, but always was sort of a second banana to Marilyn Monroe, who mm-hmm. was the, you know, the, 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 the blonde pinup of the sure. 50s and 60s. I mean, everybody thought of Marilyn. And, you know, so Jane Mansfield was kind of second in line. And then behind her was Mamie Van Doren, who most people do not know at all. No. But um, again, another, you know, a bl- another blonde bombshell from the era. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's not as well known to a lot of people because she just didn't do the kind of wasn't in the kind of movies that Marilyn Monroe was. She never got those kinds of parts. How is it like, well, okay, hold on. I want to give a little bit of the backstory real quick, and then, but then I have a question to ask, but just so I normally do it this way, like Vera Jane Palmer and born in uh, Brian Maurer. Is that how you Bryn pronounce Mar. Okay, so I've always heard that as like it, hardcore bands always name songs after oh. that town, but I never knew what it was. Um, father dies early of a heart attack while driving. Mother works as a teacher, remarries, and moves to not, Dallas. Not good oh, luck with cars. Not, ooh, not yeah. good luck with cars. Yeah. Um, Actually, you know what? Screw it. I, I let's let's we can yeah. Let's around. just yeah. We, we we went through this. Let's just talk about what you want to talk about. Why, you don't okay. have to go back through it. Wh- okay. So. Why is it so? Okay. So you you mentioned she was you know playing third fiddle or whatever you know compared to like Marilyn Monroe and stuff. But like I would think, and that maybe this is just me being a dude, but like she like had naked pictures in Playboy and mm-hmm. it was a big thing and, and she did things like well, scandalous she did, things. Well, so, because she couldn't get the parts that she wanted. I mean, like I said, she had an IQ of 163. She which is ridiculous. Languages. She's a genius. Ridiculous. I mean, she was on genius level smart, but no one cared. They didn't care about that. But and even, so even she with, won all these beauty contests. I mean, she, you know, in Texas when she was growing up, she won all these beauty contests and she tried to get into good movies and she just couldn't. I mean, the best chance she had of really making a name for herself was when she did the Steinbeck movie, The Wayward Bus. And yeah. it was a dramatic role. And they stuck it on the shelf. And it didn't come out for like two years. And by then, she'd already done all these bimbo roles like Will Successful or Rock sure. Hunter, where she shows up in a towel. And the girl can't help it. And she that was those were the parts she was given. And so she just never got the kind of break that she wanted. She wanted to be a serious actress because, again, she's a genius. I mean, yeah. she's, this woman was very, very smart. But she knew that that's not what they wanted to see. That's not yeah. what audiences wanted from her. So she decided to give them what they wanted. Yeah. You know, and so she did all these publicity stunts and, you know, with her. I, I mean, love those, by the way. Yeah. That's with awesome. I mean, the thing was, that was that was in, at that time period. You're talking about those big rocket ship looking bras and all yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. And so, you know, boobs were a huge thing. And for her, they were a huge thing. <laughs> um, and so she's to every chance she got, you know, she would arrange an accident where her yeah. boobs to pop out because it got her all kinds of press. How did so she, I was talking she... the 2,000 photos, you know, yeah. in, in a single year Which, yeah, when she was ridiculous. at Fox. That's an amazing amount, but because she was doing all of that kind of stuff. And but I just don't get why, why wouldn't that be enough? Why, it just why wasn't. didn't I know her name, but yeah, I knew Marilyn Monroe? It just wasn't because it, well, because of the quality of the movies that she had. Mm. I mean, she just didn't, I mean, she didn't do that many movies and all she of them. She won a Golden Globe? Well, as best new star, but all of them were pretty forgettable. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know a single person personally, who's ever seen Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter? No, hell no. 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 I mean, I obviously, Googled, I we didn't Google see it. the stage play, but, I mean, we didn't... They did a movie with Tony Randall and Joan Blondell. I mean, they were fairly big-name people. Tony Randall especially went on to do all kinds of stuff. But who's seen the movie? Nobody. And The Girl Can't Help It was a novelty film mm. that was really just a showcase for, you know, rock and roll singers, sure. you know, in 1956 when the rock and roll was getting started. Uh-huh. You mentioned, yeah. The yeah. Rock I mean, you were talking about interviews. Little Richard and, you know, Chuck, Chuck, or the Fats Domino and the Platters and things like that. Sure. Um, I've seen that one because I sought it out because I, you know, 
had an interest in the the rock part of it, right, even right, more right. than Jane Mansfield. But you know, it was cool to see her in something, to see her talking, and and you know, to actually see her roles. But she just didn't do that much stuff. Mm. And then you know, she married Mickey, and five not days the greatest after marriage divorce, you know, right? Yeah. And yeah. this is this is when so I'm going through this, and it says gets divorced, marries actor, bodybuilder, Mr. Universe, uh, Mickey Hargate, and five days later, and I was like. That last name sounds awfully <laughs> right, familiar. Right. I know, right? Um, so, yeah, Mariska Hargate is her daughter um, and who was in the car when she died. Mm, and a lot of people don't know that. I had no yeah, most, idea. Yeah, I, I was talking to somebody last night and that came up and they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, that's Jane Mansfield's daughter. And if you look at them side by side, yep. you can see it. But She is amazing. Yeah, and, and she's, she's great. She's an EP now on SBU yeah. too and that's show going and 25 see, seasons or whatever. And so good. So she really has gotten all the respect that her mother never got yeah well fucking um, good for her i know it is it's great and but the thing about i mean the thing i guess that's sad about jane is she did so much to try to build a career and you know within no mm. time she's doing burlesque and dinner theaters because just to eat, gotta pay bills gotta pay the bills you know and people mm. loved her i mean that was the thing she just couldn't get good roles yeah you know and a lot of people were you know late 50s early 60s a little turned off by i'm sure some people were kind of turned off by her stunts yeah women probably mostly yeah. <laughs> you that, know where their husbands were <laughs> yeah. looking at them too much yeah something i've yeah. Some, okay so something i've noticed about you troy like i've been asking about a couple of these episodes when it's not like a heavy hitter mm-hmm. person i'm asking i'm always like you know why this person why this person i think it's just i mean you know this stuff obviously very well but you'd love a classic tragedy like the the yeah, story well, you know the hollywood i, I, I want to i i like to tell stories about people that i don't feel got what Mm. they deserved you know uh-huh. out of and i don't mean that in a bad way although sometimes it is in a bad well, way yeah. you know they didn't get what they deserved and they should have gotten worse <laughs> you know drag but, their name but the most blood. of the time no i mean most of the time it's somebody like this like jane who i think was you know probably tremendously talented and we just never got to see it yeah you know uh, because she was never given the chance to do real work mm-hmm. you know she was giving the given these fluff roles these bimbo roles and that People went to see the movies, so that's what they kept giving her, and she knew she had to work, and she kept working. And yeah. she made a lot of money doing it. You know, she did really well for a long time. Yeah. You know, and, you know, the the Pink Palace itself is crazy. It sounds bougie It sounds fuck. awful. It, it sounds really awful. Ugh. But uh, what's so funny about it is that, you know, like, and I think I mentioned that if it was anybody else, it would have been a really tacky eyesore. But because it was Jane, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, oh, well, of course. Okay. It's yeah. like Liberace's house. Sure. You know what I mean? Okay. This okay. is what you expect right. from her. Like this Prince or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Sure. You know, okay. yeah. So you kind of expect her to have this kind of crazy house. And she did. And you know, I I I know, and I and I talked about her and Mickey not having the greatest marriage. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a you know kind of. I mean, I know that there was some you know accusations of abuse and that, but you mm-hmm. know, it was the fifties, and so it wasn't you know all that uncommon for a guy to knock his wife around, right. and nobody was going to do anything about it back then. But right. I I do think he loved her. I, I really do. I just think he was just kind of a blockhead, you mm-hmm. know. And I mean, because he did most of the work remodeling the house. Yeah. I mean, he painted everything. He put the mosaic tile in the bottom of oh, the like pool. Oh, like himself? And yeah, he did all that. No he did shit. the fireplace and, you know, a, a lot of the stuff he did. I mean, these were things that he did himself. Yeah. And so I think he really loved her, but I just think that, you know, I don't know. I think that her career just kind of got no, that, out yeah. of hand for that, him. No, that's fair you enough. Know? Yeah. You, you talked about even though like a lot of the stuff she did with the pink palace and, and um, the stunt she pulled, you said a lot of that dried up kind of by like 1959. I just wanted to point out that's when my parents were born. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. That, that just to like put it in a frame of reference right. for me, right. um, you said she was the first mainstream American actress to appear nude in the film promises. You said photos from the film appeared in playboy resulted in obscenity charges for Hugh Hefner. Can you teach me about the history of porn? I well, don't no, know. I mean, I don't get it. Playboy started out in the mid fifties and it was all just, uh, it was cheesecake kind of stuff. And there were, um, you know, there were boobs and uh-huh. that was all you could print because at the time it was a, there was still a big question as to whether or not you could send those out through the mail. Oh, um, so like federal yeah. lines so a lot stuff? of court cases got started and that's where you kind of get that famous thing. One of the judges said about, well, you know, how do you know if it's porn? Well, I'll know it if I see I it when I see it. And so Justice Thomas, yeah. Or and so, I mean, Hugh Hefner was 
groundbreaking for the time. And, you know, it's the 1950s. I mean, this is like, you know, could you find a more misogynist era in the 50s? You know, nope. I even talked about that with Paul Mansfield, Jane's first husband. He wanted her to just stay home and have kids. Right. She wanted to be in the movies, so you know, and so they moved to L.A. But yeah, so, you know, she did. She was um, it was she was the first, you know, it wasn't I mean, there had been there's been. There's been porn since the advent of photography. Sure, I mean, so it's it's always been around. Be the first thing I and, think. But of she was the she was the first mainstream actress, you know, that people had heard of, who had done a nude scene in a movie. I mean, this was not this wasn't like in the '70s when um, Deep Throat came out and right. they opened it in like real theaters yeah. and people went to see it. Um, it wasn't that. Um, it was it was meant to be. It was a, and it w- it was an actual film. It wasn't a porno. It just happened to have nudity in it, uh-huh. and nobody had done that before. Not in a, not in a mainstream film. Um, so, but but again, it's a lousy movie. But the problem is, is that it or not the problem, but for Jane, it got her name out there and yeah. it kept her working. It kept her, you know, getting paid. And and you know mm. the thing with and you know the 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 there's been a question as to whether the obscenity charge and all that was just a stunt too. Well, sure. You know, so, well, I mean, so- it's Hefner. I mean, he was this canny about publicity as she was. I'm sure. I mean, it's probably know. worth him to pay that fine. Yeah, yeah, get, absolutely. Get the, absolutely. Yeah. Mm, that man. So, no. well, he'd also, you know, had published the first nude photographs of Marilyn Monroe, too. Oh, yeah. You know, from yeah. the calendar that she did. That was the first, that was the first issue of Playboy, I believe. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah, I don't like him, but I respect the marketing strategy. Oh, yeah, he definitely, <laughs> he definitely was a groundbreaking you know, well, who would have publisher thought for the time. People want to see naked women. Who would have thought? Well, and you know? and you know, but it was it wasn't just that. It was a it was a mainstream magazine. Right. I mean, Esquire also began having some nudity in it too. No shit. Yeah, there used to, I mean, there still is sometimes, but mostly really? back in the day, um, Esquire would often have not not like pinup spreads and yeah, centerfolds, yeah, yeah, yeah. but would use some nudity in some of their articles huh. and things. I did not um, know that. But it was it was at the time it was a mainstream magazine you could buy on the newsstand. You didn't have to go to a porno shop in Times Square. Mm-hmm. You could just get it in a regular magazine store on a newsstand, and it was you know he had designed that as a def- you know he could say well people read it for the articles mm-hmm. and, and which as wasn't a lie do. yeah right because right. the articles so that's were, where they came from right the articles were worthwhile the interviews the movie reviews the things the interviews they did with authors and things you know you had a lot of you know you Steinbeck and Updike and all these people who were you know highbrow literary people because doing an interview or something or an article about you in Playboy was a Big deal. So it didn't start out as a nudie magazine. Oh no, it was still a nudie magazine. That, I mean, right, it was from the excuse. beginnings, right? It always had oh, nude photos. Okay, okay. In it, but it was meant to be like More an upscale uh-huh. kind of thing, right? right? A gentleman's magazine. A gentleman. Okay, right. got it. Oh, right. that's amazing. Yeah. So okay. I mean, that's but so you know the fact that she shows up in it is you know was uh, good for her career at the time. You know, it was not a bad place to be. Yeah. In Playboy, you yeah. know. So let's talk about. The Church of Satan oh, and the Anton LaVey stuff. So, I know, right? Um, and just, I think a lot of people listening to our podcast will already know at least, at least a little bit about it. But anytime you hear Satanic Temple, Church of Satan or whatever, mm-hmm. like most people start to freak out. And it's yeah. like, okay, it's yeah. actually not it, what you and, think. And, and, well, and not only that, but, you know, Anton LaVey formed the Church of Satan to for the same people. for the same reason that Jane Mansfield was having accidental nip slips yeah. on in TV shows. Um, it was all about publicity. The yeah, guy yeah, was yeah. a showman. He was a marketer. Um, and the Church of Satan is not about worshiping Satan. And it's, it's um, I mean, it's really hard to explain. But if you go, believe it or not, if you're puzzled by it, go to their website and read their frequently asked questions section. Yeah. It tells you everything you need to know. Do the about same thing it. for the Satanic Temple and read yeah, the tenets it's, and stuff. It's the same kind of thing. And it's you know, it's it's really about just do what you want to do as long as you don't hurt people. Yeah. And that's basically what What's it is. The phrase? You know, it has not, they don't even believe in Satan or, I mean, they're atheists. They don't believe in actual <laughs> right, Satan. Right. It's just, it's funny. just so, but you know, he started this with the, you know, it made it, he got a lot of headlines and he got a lot of newspaper coverage and a lot of magazine coverage because it was shocking at 
the time. Yeah. You know, it was on the cover of Look Magazine. They were layout spreads in, in Life Magazine. And, you know, it was really about cavorting around with a bunch of naked women. I mean, of course. every like every, every, magaz- every magazine spread, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what's in there. And he didn't even run it like a cult. He wasn't trying to get, make money off people. He just wanted publicity. Right. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't like, um, you know, brainwashing his malicious. members because that's bad. I mean, that's something hurtful to people and that's not what it's about. It's not what they're about. So, you know, I think what, what happened here yeah. and there, I've Break got a it book, down. I've got a book called, um, California Infernal and I wish I I've never had, seen I don't have the one. author. I wish I had the author of it, but it's a mostly a photography book. Oh, it's not your book. I'm sorry. No, I didn't write it. Oh, no, okay. I didn't I'm write so, okay. it. Uh, it's a book I have on my collection got it, and got it's it. about Anton LaVey, Jane Mansfield around that era right there. And it's filled with photographs of her at the satanic temple um, with all of these photos they took with of her like taking and- communion and things. And there are photographs from the satanic temple. There are photographs of him just like hanging out at her house and hanging out with different celebrities and stuff. I mean, it was all about rubbing shoulders with fame sure. and fortune. And so I think that he saw her as a good way to get publicity, even though maybe her, you know, her, her spotlight had dimmed a bit by then, but still, even if, even if she was a C celebrity at the time or a B celebrity, it was still celebrity. That's mutually beneficial. And with her, with with her, she's seeing a guy who's in all the newspapers and all the magazines, and you know, and this was a good way to get publicity. And um, of course, Levey being Levey, who was always about publicity, mm-hmm. you know, um, cashed in on all of these stories about the curse after she died. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is, is it just I mean, bad luck? Is it just yeah, life? I mean, it's, well, I, I, like I said, I, we don't even know if there was really, the only people we have that are aware of this curse was LeVay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have to take his word for it that there was a curse. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I cursed you know, him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Ugh. and you know, he, oh, you know, I love Jane, but boy, I try to tell her to stay mm. away from him and she wouldn't do it. And so, really, that's the only person whose word we have for there to be any curse. But it's just, it's an interesting element to the story. Sure. You know, as far as this this supposed curse that, you know, it, was there really a curse? Did it, you know, is that what killed her? I mean, you know, I, I'm going to say probably not. But, right. you know, it's still an interesting. And there are some, some bad luck here that happens. Yes. I mean, a whole bunch of it in a row. So. Right, and, and it all ends basically with a bad car accident yes. where what she, her husband, driver... Well, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. She's yeah. doing a supper club in Biloxi, and she has to go to New, New Orleans. Orleans. I've done that she, drive, too. Right, she does, and she was going there for a morning television appearance. And it was like, you know, uh, 1 o'clock in the morning when they mm-hmm. left. Kids were asleep in the back seat. Brody, who had a cast on his leg, was sitting in the front. There was a, the 19-year-old driver, Ron Harrison, yeah. who worked for the club. And the club had said, well, we will, you know, I'll have Ron drive you down there. Right. And Jane's in the passenger seat. And off they went in this convertible. And it's, you know, it's the middle of the night. It's, you know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And he goes to pass this truck, not realizing that there was a semi in front of the truck. He didn't see it till it was too late. Yeah. And it just... it peeled the top off the car like a tin can. Uh, I mean, it just... So you think the kids are laying down and that's, that's why they were laying down asleep. Mm. So they got God. injured from flying glass and metal, but at least they weren't killed. Oof. Because with that, we would not have Law & Order SVU. We would not have they, Law yeah, & Order exactly. SVU. Olivia so, Benson. Yeah, would not be around mm. if not for the fact that she Gosh. was asleep lying down in the back seat. So... Jeez. Yeah, um, it's and it and it's you know like I said there a lot of stories got started about her being decapitated and that 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 it was she a wig it was a wig yeah uh, it was one of her wigs yeah sure that's not. what he saw a bloody wig laying he thought it was her head and that's how the story got started right but during the memorial service that thirty people yeah, <laughs> yeah claimed yeah. to see amber colored bulbs suddenly flare up blah 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 all that. But, but there was a lot of weird things happening around the house and yes, there were the an awful palace. lot of people who really believe that Jane haunted the place. I mean, why wouldn't you at that yeah. point? And well, because there was, and not only, you know, had she been, her life been cut off quickly, like it was, she loved the place. So that's no surprise that she'd come back. But the big thing was, is there was such a, you know, controversy over her estate. Right. Because technically she was still married to her third husband when it happened. Oh, and right. so he and his lawyer just came in and cleaned the place out. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, that the kids, you know, th- 
weren't getting what they were supposed to get, you know, uh, because of this. And then, you know, all of this stuff going on, she was very unhappy about it. That's what, you know, people who were closest to her believe, like her, you know, her longtime assistant and things, and then who ended up finally quitting and saying, I'll never go back in that house. Yeah. Because, you know, Jane is there, and she's very unhappy about what's going on. Mm. Well, okay, what do you make of... uh, Can you tell me a little bit about uh, Cass Elliott... uh, one of the owners of that. Yeah, well, not you know, not choking on a ham well, sandwich. Okay. Is that a thing? Well, the the thing was is that as you you know you go and there's you know bad things, bad things, yeah, yeah, bad yeah. things, yeah. and then so you're looking for when you're putting these stories together, like I, you're looking for anything bad that happens. Sure, well, sure. so one of the owners of the house is Cass Elliot from the Mamas and the Papas, yeah. and she dies in England, you know, while she's the owner of the house even though she didn't die there. Mm-hmm. But the story always was that Mama Cass had died choking on a ham sandwich. Why is that? Because she was a large girl. And so oh, I guess somebody thought rude. that was funny. Yeah. Uh, she didn't. She died of a heart attack. Uh-huh. But somehow that story got started. And it's kind of like Jane being decapitated in her car. Mm. She wasn't decapitated. And Cass didn't die choking on a ham sandwich. She died of a heart attack, but that's been an urban legend that's been around forever. That's just so. Rude. But I thought it was just kind of funny to throw that in there because sure. Shane wasn't decapitated either. Right, so. right. Well, the, then, <laughs> at, well, after that, Ringo Starr. Ringo yeah. Starr. So it took a while for him to actually get the house to not be pink. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, pink, I guess he just well, pink's probably not my style. So, <laughs> I, but well, yeah, the they white couldn't. Album. They, and you know, really, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, how in the world would you cover that pink? It'd be, and not only nightmare. that, but and then she had the the sandstone like you know crushed up in it, so it would sparkle. Right, right, right. That would be impossible to cover. It would be. And then you know, but of course, legend has it that uh-huh. as they kept repainting it and repainting it and repainting it, you know, they're bringing in chemists and paint consultants, and they can't figure out right. why it won't cover. Right. It's because it's bright pink of paint, course. you and, know, and, but and a, it makes a good story. A chemist for Ringo is just a guy who sells him LSD. <laughs> right, exactly. Right? Yeah. I don't know why <laughs> yeah. it won't not be pink. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Um, so, okay, the house is uh, eventually passed to Welsh singer... Oh, boy. Engelbert Humperdinck. This is the Have funniest name. Have you not name. heard of him? No. I, oh. I laughed okay. so hard at that name, and I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's one of those names that I always just... I don't... I, honestly, at the top of my head, I can't... I, I know, you know, I know he's a singer. It's like Benedict uh, Cumberbatch. Yeah, well, yeah, it is like that, isn't it? But he's always... I always think of him as one of those kind of like Tom Jones, Wayne Newton kind of okay, singers, okay. right? Okay, okay. And I, I couldn't tell you anything. I didn't even look him up, although yeah. I guess I should have. I but, didn't. Um, but I love to always say his name because I think it's so funny. <laughs> and that's and as it turns out, that's not like even his real name. What? It you changed it, it, it was, to that? Yeah, I was like reading. For it was like I was sake. reading one of those articles about, you know, oh, stars, what their name used to be. You know, John Wayne was, you know, yeah, 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 you know yeah. and all this stuff. And his name was something else, and he John changed Smith. it to Engelbert Humperdinck. But you don't forget it. Right. That's well, the thing. So, his but anyway, name. he bought the house in 77 and had it blessed oh. by a priest because, you know, he 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 believed the place was haunted. I mean, he right. said that he had seen Jane there, or ghost was there, and all kinds of... And, that, and I love the story about the earthquake. Yeah. There was an earthquake in, there, like in the backyard... A heart uh-huh. sinks into the ground, Which and he's like freak me out. freaking out. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my god, Jane's really pissed now. And it, it was a waiting pool they right. filled in, and it just collapsed because is of the it just a common but, thing just to build over shit like that? I don't know. Like, apparently, I well, it. I mean, probably Ringo probably did it. Well, you know, yeah. when he's trying he's to the money. repaint. Well, that and he's trying to repaint the house right. so that it's not pink anymore. And so he's probably the the swimming pool was too big to fill in. So yeah. you've got a giant heart shaped swimming pool that says "I love you, Janie." <laughs> The bottom and your Ringo star, right? Uh, uh, so probably they filled in the the waiting pool for the kids at some point. But. Gosh, uh, well the kids got to go back and take yes. some keepsakes. Yes. So Olivia Benson and, and family got to take yeah. some things. She took an ornamental copper shield that yeah. that, that Mickey had engraved on. So. Oh, that's... but Mickey. But see, then that that I had to put that last part in. Mickey wouldn't go back to the house. Yeah. Because he said that as far as he was concerned, the house died when Jane died. So I think he is. I think it's one of those things like, um, well, which I know we haven't gotten to them yet, but like Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe. Oh, yeah. Whenever she would, you know, they were married for a while and they split up because, again, he thought she was going to quit acting. You know, he's Mr. Baseball and he thought she's going to quit acting and stay at home and have kids. It's never going to happen. Idiot. But they stayed friends forever. In fact, he, I think he was always in love with her. Of course. And anytime she was in trouble, who would she call? That's who she called. She'd call Joe. 
Well, when then after she died, he sent roses to her crypt for the rest of his life. That's Every true. week, fresh roses were delivered to Marilyn's crypt at the cemetery from Damn. Joe. Um, so, and I think maybe the same kind of thing with Mickey. I think Aww. he always loved her, and it just didn't work out. Yeah. You know, and I I thought that was something that he said that I I thought was. You know, kind of moving. Yeah, beautiful. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Although I'm sure he said it in an almost unpronounceable uh, <laughs> uh, accent because he, you can't understand <laughs> what he says. It's like listening to um, Mushmouth Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, oh, okay. that's if you ever hear him talk, you'll understand. Look him up on YouTube or something. It's quite an accent. Fair so, enough. But he's Hungarian. I mean, I'll, I'll give him a break. I mean, he made a... Made Speaks a, more languages than I do. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. But he also, you know, he made a spot for himself. It's Mr. Universe, man. Yeah. Dude Which was huge. Also, Arnold was, too. Yeah, yeah Arnold right? was, too. He's a big dude. Man, jeez. So. Okay, well, now that I feel very insignificant... <laughs> um, I just wanted to give a couple quick shout-outs to our recent patrons. Again, you are the people that keep us doing what we're doing and be able to put out bonus content and stuff. So I want to give a quick shout-out to Stephanie and then Josie Mae Dayton, which is my sister's cat. I'm not kidding. My <laughs> okay. sister signed up for the Patreon, oh. and she put it as oh. her cat. Okay. She's recently married and um, <laughs> decided to add her cat to this, and she thought I wouldn't recognize it, and she told me, That's but I was funny. like, had I seen it? That's funny. So thank you, Cassidy and Josie and Stephanie. Yeah. And oh, boy. Um, okay, well, it is now time for our Ghostwriter segment, so if you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre, you can email us at AmericanHauntingsPodcast at gmail.com. This email comes to us from Leslie, and it says, Hey, Cody, and Troy, of course, in parentheses. Ha ha, Troy, you're in parentheses. Um, it says, I hadn't had a chance to be able to leave you any kind of review because, well, I don't have an iPhone, so I listen to the podcast on Spotify, which doesn't have a way to leave a review, which is really lame, in my opinion, for Spotify. <laughs> um, I listen to the podcast. they don't do that. They don't, right. and they're so big. But anyway, I, I listen to the podcast all the time and look forward to each new episode. I tell everyone that will listen to my ramblings about ghosts, hauntings, ETC, about your podcast, even if they're not into the ghostly stuff like me. I tell them that if they're into true crime stuff to listen to your show. I love how everything is presented with the story at the beginning and the dialogue between the two of you afterward. Troy has a very unique style of storytelling that makes it fun and interesting. That's a nice way of putting it. It is! And then the questions that Cody asks really help clarify the details that sometimes confuse me. Thanks, Cody. The fun banter between you is always entertaining, and yes, some of us do listen all the way to the end. <laughs> Just for the extra giggles, love what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to many more seasons. Thanks, Leslie. Uh, that's very nice. And again, some, somebody even messaged me the other day on Instagram. And I, th I don't know, it's probably like two or three in the morning. And I was like barely awake. And they just said like, hey, like, thanks Who for... Who checks their messages at two o'clock in the morning? Sometimes you're just on your phone, you're one-eyeing <laughs> okay, it, and you can't right, sleep. Then. You're anxious. <laughs> and, um, and they just said like, hey, like, thanks for doing the podcast. Like, I really appreciate it. And I was like, Dude, like that really just, it means a lot. Like it really does because yeah. sometimes like, sometimes it's tough, dude. Like we have to go, th oh, you I have know. to write so much. Yeah. I have to edit so much. We have to record and it's just nice to know that like even one person. People enjoy it. Yeah, people yeah. People enjoy yeah. it. It no, makes I me know. It is. get up like, and do it again. It's nice when people say, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I found out about this from the podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah. cool. So, yeah. good, all those ad dollars I spent wasted. So, you know. <laughs> you could have been doing a podcast yeah. the whole time. But, but yeah, because no, I don't know. A lot of it's like, you know, people trolling and telling us like, uh, you know, like, hey, you guys suck or whatever. But yeah. like, it's, it's so nice when people come out and they're just like, hey, I like what you're doing. Like this. And I, what I really love is when people are like, hey, this helped me get through a tough day one time, you know? And yeah, I'm like, well, well shit. Nice. Like, yeah, yeah. That's just... I don't know. I just appreciate it. Yeah, I'm me feeling too. sentimental yeah. today <laughs> on September 11th. Oh, yeah. Right. I know. So it's, it's just a day you're, you're thinking a lot. Yeah. Um, all right, man. That's all I got. Is there anything else we need to talk about? No, I don't think so. All right. I think we're good. So. We should just call it. I should just hit yeah, the button. Yeah, it could just be done. So as far as I'm concerned. So, but anyway, I, I do want to thank everybody just like Cody did. We, we do yeah. really appreciate it. And, um, you know, leave us... You know, like and share, you know, or yeah. whatever they like say. And like and subscribe. But, <laughs> uh, but no, if you um, if you get a chance to leave us a review, that's great. We appreciate it. I think iTunes is about the only place you can do it. I don't know if there's any place else. But okay. uh, I had somebody contact me the other day, so they found the show through Pandora. So, I mean, it's I've, all over the place. We've been getting a lot of that. Yeah, it's all over the place. So uh, we're really happy about that. This, this is... I know I'm now I'm starting to complain, even though it's hmm. me complaining about 
me thing is choosing doing. all of the things I'm doing for the podcast. But, um, you know, I, I, I hope that you guys have enjoyed this season because honestly, I have really enjoyed it. I just feel like we've been doing this for a really long time now. Yeah. And we've been stuck in Hollywood for a very long time. And I've learned I'm, a lot. I know. I know. And, and it has been fun. And I've gotten to talk about some things I might not have gotten to talk about anywhere else. I don't know. I, I, if, I, if I just sit around and talk to this stuff to Lisa, she does not listen to me. So at Ooh, all. If yeah. movie stuff comes up, she yeah. immediately shuts down. So yeah. Orin is like the only person I can talk to that's and fair. you as far as movies go. It's just the three of us. And yeah. That's about it. So... Um, I, I don't always get a chance to do that, so it's fun when I get to. So, anyway. I'm happy to be here for you, yes, man. Yes, yes. It's not that I'm selfish, so, and I like this stuff, yeah. too. I'm, uh, I'm doing this That's for okay. you. Yeah, right, exactly. So. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, I'm just going to I'm just gonna, I gotta do it. This episode oh, of the American Hunting Podcast is written by Troy you know what? Taylor. Since you, since you banned... Out my since you banned... If you're not a regular um, listener of the podcast, we'll hope you check out Orson Welles of History, Hauntings, Legends, how about, of American History. How about what, a little what Engelbert Humperdinck instead? No, no. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. You can find a subscribe to the show, or you can unsubscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you want to listen to your favorite shows. See the website at AmericanHauntingsPodcast.com for more info about the show notes, photos, links, and more. I okay, wish you guys could see how much seconds. Troy was loving what he's doing right now. Sure, I was lip syncing that. But, if you're uh, a regular listener, we hope you take yeah. the time to review us on the Apple Podcast app like we off. talked about and share the show with your friends, neighbors, relatives, Engelbert people you pass on the street, Benedict Cumberbatch, whoever. Yeah, just share it with Benedict. To Benedict Cumberbatch. If we could get one review Engelbert from Benedict, Humperdinck. we couldn't and wouldn't do the show without you. If you're Actually, a fan, I should look and see what his real name was. Yes, you should. Because I'm kind of curious. But American yeah. Hauntings is not just this podcast. It's books, tours, Engel events, a bunch of random-ass history lessons that no one needs, and more. And Somebody our main website Googled is American Hauntings songs. Well, so did I, but I didn't know that it was that one. Bro, so. that was you. For no, those I did. of well, you I just found out, who so. write to us and tell us you wish we'd posted shows more often, well, we're getting better at that, and you can have his fresh real name is His real name is Arnold George Dorsey. Why, why no, would you pick Engelbert Humperdinck to be your name? It's like uh, in Parks and Rec when that guy changes his name from Dante Fierro to uh, oh, the other Cologne guy. Um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, that's not the only perk that you get either. There are discounts, shirts, stuff in the mail, all the kinds of things. And for those who don't know, Oh my God, you know what his net worth is? Not $180 million. Back in 1920? No, Engelbert, he's still alive. He oh, was born shit. in 1936. He's 85 years old. And he's worth $180 million. We should see if he was... I should change stuff. my name to Engelbert <laughs> Humperdinck, if that's what it would take. Humperdinck. Go back wow. and listen to the first season and Holy then listen to this cow. one. Yeah, that's right. We didn't make any terrible jokes like this. And Patreon is what made it all get better or worse. Check it all out at Patreon. You know what his nickname is? American Haunting. Hump. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> if you have comments about the show, suggestions, reviews, jokes, or just want to tell us what you really hey, think of us. Uh, That's a good one. Oh, boy. So many jokes. Uh, we're reachable via email, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Are you done? Messages in a bottle. God, I did pigeon, talk through this entire telegram. thing, did Sorry about that. Do you um, want to start over? Till So maybe you can time. do the whole thing? or Goodbye. So long. Bye. See you later. <laughs> oh, boy. Humperdinkle, whatever his name is. Thank you.